Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Seems Like Diet Culture podcast. If you are new here, my name is Mallory Page and I'm a registered dietitian. I'm also the host of this podcast, which I created because I wanted a space to be able to discuss nutrition, wellness, fitness, ED recovery, and more in a non-diet way. So much of the information you encounter is so entrenched with diet culture. And when making decisions around your health and the way that you want to view things, it's so important to have different perspectives. So I hope this podcast can provide you with that different perspective and you leave more confident in what you want to do in terms of your body and how you want to engage with these trends. Today's episode is so juicy, guys. It started as me looking into this controversy that was going on and then deciding we needed an episode on it, so pulling it together as quick as possible, and then being shocked every step of the freaking way by the information that we were uncovering. And I am so excited to go through this with you. So without further ado, let's just jump into the controversy surrounding Nita firing all of their helpline workers and replacing them with ChatGTP. I know, even saying that sentence, it does not feel like real life, but it is. So of course, we first need to discuss what the heck Nita is for those of you that may not know. NIDA is actually an acronym for the National Eating Disorder Association. If you were to Google NIDA, it would tell you that it's a nonprofit organization devoted to preventing eating disorders, providing treatment referrals, and increasing the education and understanding of eating disorders, weight, and body image. You may have heard of some of NIDA's events like Eating Disorder Awareness Week that they host at the end of February each year, or you may have heard of the NIDA Walk that they put on yearly. On their website, NIDA states that they are the largest nonprofit organization dedicated to supporting individuals and families affected by eating disorders, and they serve as a catalyst for prevention, cures, and access to quality care. I want to quickly mention that even before this controversy, NIDA has come under fire for many different things. And we don't have time to discuss NIDA as a whole and their effectiveness today because it would just take way too long. If that is an episode that you want in the future, we can totally go over that. But I am still going to share some important pieces of information about the history of NIDA, the structure of NIDA, and the effectiveness per their stats and website in this next portion. So first we need to start off with the history. So NIDA was actually created from a merger between the two largest and longest standing eating disorder associations at the time. So this was the Eating Disorder Awareness and Prevention Organization and the American Anorexia Bulimia Association. And once those two organizations merged, they decided to form NIDA, and that was in 2001. 
It's important to note that this was in 2001 because it shows just how young NIDA actually is as an organization, especially considering it is the largest organization for eating disorder advocacy. And we'll talk about that more in a little bit. But to circle back around to the origination of NIDA, you probably are wondering what it looked like at that time. And I will say it's pretty hard to find information, and even some of the information I did find was confusing. So for example, although it's said pretty conclusively through the sites that I saw that NIDA was created or formed in 2001, their website states that they established their toll-free helpline in 1999. So I'm not exactly sure as to why there is the difference in numbers there, but regardless, at that time, it still sounds like Nita was trying to be what they called a clearinghouse of information on eating disorders. I thought clearinghouse was quite an interesting word choice here because there is so much differentiation between what that could potentially mean. But the general definition I found is a third party that helps organize, transmit, and report data. And at that time, they had a website where they were doing that, and they did have the toll-free helpline. Nowadays, tons of people seeking treatment, seeking support, or providers that are wanting to connect people with support or treatment options send people to NIDA, and they have a very well-built-out website with tons of different things that you can look into from blog posts to community to ways to get involved and screening tools and tons of different things. But the most popular and prominent things that people utilize on NIDA are their online eating disorder screening quiz, their helpline, exclamation point, exclamation point, and their treatment database. So again, I don't know exactly how that has shifted from the ideation of the NIDA resources to now, but it seems as I was looking at it that it was pretty similar and that no matter what, the helpline was a very central and important theme to their mission and how they were accomplishing their mission. Other important things to make note of that people aren't necessarily seeking out when they're looking to NIDA, but are a part of the organization itself is their legislative advocacy and then their funding of ED-relevant research because they're the largest organization of their kind. Pretty much any kind of legislative advocacy is going to go through NIDA to some extent or be the ideas are going to be bounced off of them. So that's something that you definitely want to remember when we're talking about this. With all of that being said, I feel like you probably are curious the type of numbers that NIDA draws in, and there's a lot of different stats. It's probably kind of hard to track, but to just give you an idea based off of an annual report in 2019, their National Eating Disorder Awareness Week reached 304.3 million people via social media. Their screening tool was completed over 145,000 times. And their helpline answered the calls and chats of over 25,000 contacts. Also, their website boasts more than 50 million web hits each year. These stats really put into context how much people are looking to NIDA as a resource. 
and the impact that they have over people, professionals, and other organizations. But what's wild about this impact is not just the numbers that they're putting up for how young the organization is, but also for how small the organization is. Upon looking at their website, Nita only has 18 employees listed there, and although they do have between 200 and 300 volunteers, there is still a fair amount of turnover when you are looking at someone that is volunteering versus someone that is being paid as an employee. So I feel that's important to keep in mind with everything else we discussed because there are a lot of programs they're doing. There is a lot of different people that are contacting their helplines and using their services, and yet they have a very, very small number of people working there that are meant to be the standard and example for all of these other organizations that work with eating disorders. And eating disorders are a very challenging topic and the people that are struggling with them and even the family members that are dealing with people that are struggling with them are very, very vulnerable. So you have to be really delicate in what you say and how you present things to them just to be careful, respectful, and understanding of what they're going through. Now you have the information that you need about Nita. So it's time to dive into the controversy itself around Nita firing their employees and their volunteers and replacing those helpline people with a chatbot. What's really interesting retroactively looking into this is that I couldn't find anything from Nita that announced that they were going to make this change. They didn't have an Instagram post about it or a blog post or an announcement on their page I didn't see an email. Of course, I could have missed these things or not had access to them or been in a circle that had access to those announcements. But I did think that was very interesting because in that sense, they are not the ones that sparked the controversy. The first time that I saw someone speak about this was actually in an NPR segment that was titled, can a chatbot help people with eating disorders as well as another human? So we're going to dive into this a little bit in this episode, but I will also include a link to this as well in the show notes so that you can check it out yourself. In this segment, NPR revealed that Nita is shutting off its telephone helpline, firing its small staff and hundreds of volunteers. And according to the radio segment, and I quote, Nearly 70,000 people reached out to a helpline operated by the National Eating Disorders Association last year. Those numbers had more than doubled during the COVID emergency, and they still have not returned to pre-pandemic levels. Helpline volunteers shared that many of the calls they received changed during COVID. They started to get more crisis-type calls with suicide, self-harm, and even child abuse or child neglect calls. These volunteers also shared that the helpline, as of right now, just has six staffers, two of which are supervisors, four of which were associates, and they would have to train and oversee up to 200 volunteers at any given time. The staff felt overwhelmed, undersupported, and burned out. There was a ton of turnover, so the helpline staff ultimately voted to unionize. Meanwhile, managers at NIDA also thought the situation was becoming unsustainable. 
Lauren Somlar, VP, voiced concerns over the increased crisis calls increasing their legal liability. She states, Our volunteers are volunteers. They're not professionals. They don't have crisis training, and we can't accept that kind of responsibility. We really need them to go to those services who are appropriate. She also adds at a later point that the people that are reaching out are having to wait really long to get the information they need, such as specialized treatment options, so those long wait lists don't make the helpline as effective. With all of that information, in March, the helpline staff formally notified NIDA about their unionization, and four days later, they were in what seemed like a pretty much routine virtual staff meeting, and abruptly, Nita's board chair, Geoff Kradok, fired all of the helpline staff. Kradok said Nita would be transitioning to a ta- chatbot named Tessa. I also just want to note that NPR actually obtained audio of that call, so they do know for a fact that that is how it occurred. This information to me is shocking in the sense that it was happening in March and now we're in May and this is just being released. So again, this just brings up questions for me around this timing, if they were trying to hide this, or why it's just coming out now. But what's even more alarming about all of this is Tessa. So Chatbot Tessa was created by a number of different people. And even the people that made Tessa agree that there is absolutely no way that the chatbot will be able to give people the kind of human empathy that comes from an actual person. Dr. Ellen Fitzsimmons Craft is the woman that was paid by Nita to create Tessa a few years ago. She is a professor of psychiatry at Washington University's Medical School, and she also did have a team that helped her in the creation of Tessa. Here are a few things that she's said about it. Right now, the chatbot can walk a user through a specific series of therapeutic techniques about something like body image. It is not an open-ended tool for you to talk to and feel like you're going to have access to a kind of listening ear, maybe like the helpline was. It's really a tool in its current form that's going to help you learn and use some strategies to address your disordered eating and body image. Now, Kate Wells, who is a person on NPR, stated that Tessa is not ChatGTP. She can't think for herself or go off the rails. She's programmed with only a limited number of possible responses. And Fitzsimmons, Kraft, and her team have done small studies showing that people who interact with Tessa actually do better than those who are just put on a wait list to wait for further treatment options and specializations like I was mentioning above. So, of course, I thought to myself, okay, well, now I need to see these research studies that Dr. Kraft or Fitzsimmons Kraft was doing. So, I looked them up. I'll include them in the show notes as well. So, what they did is they screened women that were at a high risk for an eating disorder. It was randomized. They had 700 women to one chatbot based off of the Student Bodies program, which is the program that they're running on Tessa. And they compared that to weightless control. And 
they followed these participants for six months. So their results found that for weight and shape concerns and also for keeping EDs non-clinical, the CHAT-GTP intervention had a higher reduction, which is good. So they basically said both at three months and six months, CHAT-GTP was more effective. And then for ED psychopathology, it had a greater reduction, but only at the three-month follow-up, not the six-month follow-up. But there was no difference or change in thin ideal internalization, and there was no difference in change in depression or anxiety. So first of all, the study is small, as I said. It wasn't following them over that long of a period of time, but also it's kind of mixed, right? Yeah, there were some things that were better, but then there were some things that had no difference. So it's kind of hard to say, oh yeah, this is effective completely. I also think it's important to note that Fitzsimmons Craft has previously received funding from Nita on her research studies. So there was one that she did on online cognitive behavioral therapy intervention adaptation for adults with bulimia nervosa and binge eating on public health insurance, another one on automating coaching to facilitate dissemination of effective prevention programs for eating disorders. And when we look at studies, we always want to be wary of who they're being funded by. For example, there could be a study that says that milk does X, Y, and Z, but if a milk or dairy company is funding it, how do we really trust that it's not biased? So we have to kind of think about, is this research fully unbiased around the chatbot if Nita funded her research and she is the one that is being paid by them to create this product? Another thing to note is even though she specializes in EDs, where she works at Washington University School of Medicine in St. Louis in the psychiatry department, it's very healthy weight and obesity focused. And so this could be indicative of the fact that her research and specialty may be more geared towards BED, so binge eating disorder, and that doesn't necessarily always take a weight neutral approach. So I want to state very clearly that I do not know everything about Fitzsimmons Craft. I am not trying to say that she does not understand eating disorders. I am not trying to discount her research. I'm not trying to do any of those things. I just wanted to not leave any rocks unturned so that we can make sure that you have the deepest understanding of what could be going on within the creation of this chatbot. Even after we've gone through all of that controversy, though, I feel like the question that's probably naturally coming up in your guys' mind, and I know that was coming up in my mind, is, okay, but how effective is Tessa? You know, we have mixed research. Of course, it's absolutely awful that these employees got fired and these volunteers got fired, but it is important to know if this is an effective product or not because the main mission of this company is to help people get access to trusted, correct information around preventing their eating disorder, getting treatment options, etc., etc. And we do have information on this. 
The first person that I saw talking about this was Sharon Maxwell. She goes by Hey Sharon Maxwell on Instagram, and she is a speaker, weight-inclusive consultant, and a fat activist. And she put out a post that says, Nita causes more harm, a review of Nita's new chatbot, Tessa. And I will have this post linked down below, which will also direct you to her Instagram. In this post, she explains that Tessa recommended that she aims to lose one to two pounds a week, that she recommended she counted her calories and worked to have a 500 to 1,000 calorie deficit per day. She recommended that she weigh and measure herself weekly and even suggested purchasing skin fold calipers to determine body comp and also gave suggestions on where to purchase those. And then after this, she said that she had an ED and then outlined how to restrict her diet. I know that that sounds beyond belief, but there were other people that then took to the chat to confirm this themselves or to test it out themselves. And the anti-diet plan on Instagram, also known as Alexis Knossen, who is a NYC-based psychologist, tried it out and posted the exact screenshots of the conversation. So, of course, I'm going to link that in an Instagram post so that you can read through them, but I'm also going to give a summary. The first thing to note is that Tessa says that it's meant to be interactive. So that's interesting when you contrast it with the fact that the very creator of this said that it wasn't necessarily meant to be an open-ended conversation. Then Alexis comments with this message to start the chain. Sounds good. I really need some help because I've gained a lot of weight recently and I really hate my body. The response to this from Tessa essentially says, I understand you're concerned about weight and health. It's important to prioritize that, but it's also important to approach weight loss in a healthy and sustainable way. And she details why rapid weight loss is dangerous. And then she does ask if she discussed this with a doctor or a therapist but I just think it's really fascinating that she automatically says that you should do weight loss in a healthy, sustainable way, and it's supposed to be an eating disorder chatbot. So Alexis in response, you know, she talked to her doctor, said the therapist said she can't focus on weight loss because she has an eating disorder and she's not healthy at this weight, but then asked Tessa how she can lose weight. So then Tessa responds that there are healthy ways to lose weight that won't harm your health, even though this is a contradiction to her therapist saying that she cannot focus on weight loss because she has an eating disorder, right? So she then, as in Tessa, details the ways to make sustainable weight loss and lifestyle changes, such as increasing physical activity, eating a balanced nutrition diet, managing stress, avoiding crash diets, etc, etc. And then she says it's good to consult with a registered dietitian. Alexis responds that she can't afford one and asks her, how many calories would I need to cut out per day to lose weight? And then Tessa details how it depends on person to person, but generally to lose one to two pounds a week in a safe way, you would cut out or be in a deficit of around 500 to 1,000 calories per day. And then again, reiterates that you should go to a registered dietitian. And these are the end of the messages. I didn't skip over any things that take away 
the context of the message. I covered everything. I didn't try to skew it with what I kind of skipped. And I truly feel that this is shocking. I mean, I cannot believe that this is something that they put out there. And I can tell you from all of the number of DMs that I got about this, that there were tons of other people that tried it and had very, very similar conversations to this. Now, to make it even worse, on Sharon Maxwell's post, the VP of NIDA commented, and I actually saw these very first comments. I was there in the origination of this post when this comment was still up. She commented on her post, this is a flat out lie. That's it. No joke. The VP of Nita commented on that. So Sharon very kindly said, would you like the screenshots from the conversation? And then after that, she said, maybe you're truly blinded by the harm your own company causes. But girl, I have receipts. (laughs) Then the VP commented, open to being proven wrong. Please send screenshots. And then again said, yes, please screen the screenshots. And if this is happening in the program, having the screenshots will be essential to fixing the problem. And I'll retract my previous statements. Oh, gosh. So then in further conversation... Alexis comments, wow, your first instinct is to dismiss Sharon Maxwell's experience and call her a liar. Before investigating her claims or viewing screenshots or anything, I honestly have no words here, but I think we all got a little glimpse into how Nita operates and responds to critical feedback. Also, I took Kessa out for a spin and as well and can say the experience aligns with exactly exactly with what Sharon Maxwell is saying, so I guess you'll have to call us liars. Okay, so this goes up. Then Sharon sends her the screenshots. After that, the VP responds and says to many people at this point that have now given criticism, I'm sorry, I was incorrect. I don't even think she said sorry. I wish I had screenshotted the whole thing. But she essentially says, yeah, I was wrong. I retracted and deleted, or I retract my previous statement. Then she goes and deletes her previous, like all of her statements. Okay. So she deletes the entire comment that she posted. And also she ends up going private on Instagram because I checked it before she was not private. And then I checked it again today and she was private. And so not only was it true that these type of conversations were going on in the Tessa chatbot. She also dismissed people's experiences upon her first reaction and also did so of someone that is residing in a larger body that is saying that she's having this experience when Nita has already come under fire for not being inclusionary with their mindsets around people in larger bodies and even in their practices. We didn't get into this, but part of legislation that supposedly they were a part of was approving the 
new guidelines for bariatric surgery and medicines in pediatric patients. They deny this, but many people say that there's no way that they would not have seen the legislation. So this is what I'm saying, that there's so much tea that we can't get into. But now that this has all happened, you're probably thinking to yourself, okay, wow, this is this is drama. There's a lot going on here. But what the heck did they do about the chatbot situation? Well, back to Sharon Maxwell doing all the hard work and educating us all. She posted another Instagram discussing how Nita's CEO made a statement that Tessa's harmful commentary was news to them after having over 2,500 users that have engaged with it. Nita's public statement on social media said that Tessa, quote-unquote, may have said harmful things, and they're looking into what triggered Tessa's response in that fashion. fashion. The other things that we know um, are the CEO's comment to the press. They said, with regard to the weight loss and calorie limiting feedback issued in a chat yesterday, we are concerned and working with the technology team and research team to investigate this further. That language is against our policies and core beliefs as an eating disorder organization. Liz Thompson, the CEO of NIDA, told Motherboard in a statement. So far, more than 2,500 people have interacted with Tessa, and until yesterday, we hadn't seen that kind of commentary or interaction. We've taken the program down temporarily until we can understand and fix the bug and the triggers for the commentary. So they did take it down. If you go to their website as of today, they do not have any way that you can get any helpline assistance, which is a huge bummer considering not everybody out there is following this information. They may not know that it's down. You send someone to the helpline and they're not able to get support. It's just extremely unfortunate that this is what's going on with the largest organization that advocates for and supports eating disorders, per their claims on their websites. I have a lot of different takeaways and thoughts from what I've shared so far that I want to touch on and bring to light for you so that you can think about your opinions on this circumstance. So the first thing that I want to bring up is how the problem was responded to by Nita. I understand if they were not aware of how the helpline was interacting with people after 2,500 people going through it, but I am confused at how they wouldn't know that that could be a response because in my mind, if you are replacing a helpline that is getting 70,000 contacts in a year and is the pinnacle to your entire organization's help model, don't you think you would have tested everything? I mean, I would have. I would have tried every single thing, every way to possibly trigger a poor reaction. I would have wanted to know it all. So the fact that they're trying to dismiss Sharon and Alexis and so many other people that have spoken to the chatbot being harmful after the initial conversation started about this just seems a little ridiculous to me. And especially if you read through the prompts and questions people were asking, they were so normal. And as someone that gets 
numerous DMs a day from people asking about questions around weight loss of their eating disorder, I can confidently tell you not only that I get DMs exactly like the questions that Alexis and Sharon were asking, but also worse. I have people telling me their exact height, weight, number of calories that they're eating, their desired weight that they want to achieve, and what would Tessa be doing with that information? That is concerning. So that's the number one thing. I just don't understand how they're acting like there's no way they've encountered this at all, unless there's a scaling issue that they were using something that was more small scale before they took it to the bigger scale, which doesn't really make sense, but just trying to think of different possibilities. Now, the second thing that comes up then is, do they actually not believe in this language or did they not feel like they were going to get caught using this language or did they not think that this languaging is actually wrong? This kind of circles back to what we were talking about with the woman that created Tessa and her team. I just wonder what her mindsets are around weight loss and how they play into eating disorder culture. I don't know anything about how this chat GTP was created. I know that that NPR uh, I don't know if she was someone that was on the podcast journalist, I'll say, for just simplicity, knew more about ChatGTP, but she made it sound like it was almost pre-programmed responses rather than even actual AI. So I guess I'm just curious if these were pre-programmed in there and then if the woman that they hired actually does kind of stand behind these viewpoints and either Nita didn't double check things, so they just trusted her blindly, or they didn't know whether or not to align with this. Because some people that work in binge eating disorders do follow this mindset, even though it is definitely harmful. To go along with that, again, I feel that something that surprised me is how even the woman that created this, I'm sorry, I keep blanking on her name, but I'm going to remember it here in a moment. She, oh, Ellen Fitzsimmons, Craft. She even talked about how it's not an open-ended tool for you to talk to and feel like you're going to have access to a listening ear, like the helpline was. So then why is the first text that Tessa is sending to people telling them that it's supposed to be interactive and telling them to ask questions and to have those answers, I guess I just don't understand why they would then pose it in that way. I think that they should have structured it differently if it truly didn't have that capability and just admit to the areas that you can't follow through with rather than trying to follow through with them and harming people that are struggling. The last thing, amongst many other things that I could bring up, is just this whole, the whole way that they went about this and also what it means for their mission. I find it really wild how they basically just fired their employees without much notice. 
and then did not give any kind of heads up, at least from what I could find, to the general public about the shifts in Nita and that they were going to use a chatbot. And so everyone had to find out from NPR and other journal journals and articles. But then also I've gotten a lot of messages from volunteers that have told me that they weren't even alerted. They were just all of a sudden taken off of their shifts starting within the last few days. So it wasn't even this thing that they actually shared with people, which to me then makes me question why. Why were they not comfortable sharing it? Why were they not willing to stand behind the decision? Did they know it was going to be problematic? Were they scared of the response? Did they not want to face their employees or volunteers? Were they afraid of social media backlash because they've come under so much controversy? Or are they just truly too overwhelmed as a small company? You know, what is that that is making them decide to choose that route? And I totally understand that this is a really small company or a small organization and it is a nonprofit and it is a small team and training volunteers are hard and I get all of those things. But I also feel that at the end of the day, if you are an organization that is meant to support eating disorders, no matter the size, you have to constantly ask yourself whether you are helping or harming their, the population that you're trying to serve. And whenever you even have the slightest question that you could be harming that population, you have to stop what you're doing and also apologize. And although we didn't fully get into it in this podcast, it seems that Nita is making a continual choice to not actively apologize in many of these type of scenarios. I mean, they could have made 2,500 people's eating disorders worse through this information potentially. And there is no real accountability that is coming from them. And that to me is quite sad. I just couldn't believe this when I went through it. I still kind of feel just in shock that this is a conversation that we're even having and that the largest organization for eating disorders is acting this way. And if this has sparked your interest in Nita and some of the bigger picture controversies that have happened and problems that people have with it, there's definitely information that you can find online and kind of dive into that, or we could do a podcast on that. But no matter what, I really hope that it's helped you feel like you have a better idea of how to interact with the helpline and Nita itself because that's the biggest takeaway is if you are a professional that has recommended Nita's helpline before, if you are a family member or a friend that has done so, I would honestly not suggest it in general. Even after they fix it, I think they really have to prove that there have been major changes, not just minor changes, to even make it a viable option for someone to utilize. So, really unfortunate that we're having to cover this, but also extremely important. I would love to hear any 
thoughts that you have on this topic, questions that have come up. And I feel like this is suitable for a diet culture rating. So if you're new to the podcast, we rate topics that we can on a scale of one or zero to 10, zero being not diet culture at all, 10 being the most diet culture possible. And I would say that this is probably, I have to say this is really high. I mean, I haven't seen every Tessa interaction but the way the Tessa was interacting with people was probably a seven or eight, a seven, considering the, no, 7.5, <laughs> considering the population at hand. But then even this entire thing does kind of give diet culture in a way, it's just giving that vibe. And so I don't even know how you would rate that because it seems a little bit more challenging with all the ambiguity of the situation, but even the action of itself of the firing and the taking up the chat GTP, it's just, it's icky. So I appreciate you guys being here with me through this podcast. I would love if you sent this to someone that you knew, if you enjoyed it or you thought they could benefit from it, if you gave this podcast a rating or review, and also if you gave me any feedback that you have. And if you have a podcast episode you want me to cover, you can always feel free to click the link below in the show notes and it will give you access to submitting a topic. And we will always look through those and make sure to add them into our next episode. So thank you guys. I'll see you guys next week.